We're still talking about prayer. So quickly now, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. If you have it, say I have it. Ephesians chapter number 6. And I'm going to read from verse 18. Ephesians chapter number 6. Prior to today, we learned that prayer is not an opportunity to give God our grocery list. Amen? We learned that prayer, the foundation of prayer, is fellowship with God. Someone say fellowship. Uh, we discovered that Adam prayed way before there was any need to believe God for. He prayed before there was any house to believe God for. He prayed before there was any wife or husband to believe God for. The Bible says he met every noonday with the Lord to have fellowship. Amen. So the foundation of prayer is fellowship. Amen. And we also discovered... Through this scripture, Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 18, that there are different kinds of prayer. Amen? Amen. And uh, God is a God of variety, and He wants you to uh, uh, come to Him in all these different uh, uh, ways that is prescribed. We also discovered that, that with the different kinds of prayer, there are different guidelines and rules that govern the different kinds of prayer. Hallelujah! And uh, today, we are moving on from that. Hallelujah. We're going to touch on uh, some of the different kinds of prayer that are indeed in the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 18, Praying how many times? I didn't hear that. Pray always with all prayer or all kinds of prayer, if you're reading in the New King James Bible. All kinds of prayer. This shows us that there are different kinds of prayer. With all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. See, all prayers should be prayed in the Spirit. I know a lot of church folk differentiate and distinguish. The only one prayer that they pray in the Spirit is the prayer when they pray in tongues. Have you ever heard someone say pray in the Spirit? And what they're trying to say is pray in tongues. So what are you saying? All the other prayers that I pray, I pray in the flesh. Amen. So he's saying pray all kinds of prayer and pray all kinds of prayer in the spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is good. I'm telling you, it's going to be good today. And watching, they run to. See, you always have to pray and watch. This will minister to the singles. Always pray and watch. Always pray and watch. Amen? Tell your neighbor, pray and watch. <laughs> pray and watch. They run to with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. One of the most neglected kinds of prayer, remember we gave you all the different kinds of prayer that are there. Uh, there's the prayer of petition, prayer of supplication, prayer of agreement, praying in tongues, uh, uh, all the, these different kinds of prayer. But one of the most neglected prayers is what is called the prayer of meditation. Yet it is the key to a successful life or a successful prayer life or Christian life. Amen? The Bible reveals unto us in Psalm Chapter number 5, that meditation is indeed a prayer. If you go to Genesis 25, you uh, read of a man called Isaac, and the Bible says he was out in the field meditating. And other versions of the Bible translate that same word, meditating, as prayer. He was out in the field praying. And this is so hard to teach a charismatic or <laughs> charismatic Pentecostal church, to teach them that meditation is prayer. 
It's one of the hardest things. You know why? Because we were trained that prayer is when you shaka, shaka, shaka. Pick up chairs and shake things and just, you know, say something. But no, meditation is prayer. Do you realize that the children of Israel were silent for six days and only shouted for one? See, we like to shout for six days and be silent for one. Because that's how we've been trained traditionally. Amen? Tell your neighbor, meditation will be good for you. Go with me now to Joshua chapter number 1. This is good. The Hebrew word for meditation is meditatio or metanoia, which means to ponder or to matter to the point of communion. When you meditate, you're pondering, you're muttering, you're thinking on these things until you and the object of meditation actually become one. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so easy. When you meditate so much concerning prosperity, even if they take away the money that you have in your bank, you will still rise up to the top. Did you know that, man, this is, this is going to blow your mind. Did you know that everyone that wins the lottery lose all of that money in an average of three years? Now watch this. If they took all of the money that is in the world and shared it amongst us equally, they say within three years, Baba, you'll be back where you are. <laughs> three years. You take all your money and look for Bill Gates and say, ah, you know, Bill Gates, I've been looking for you for six months. I just came to say, I think this belongs to you. You know why? Because you operate at the level of your thought. In fact, the sum total of where you are right now, in terms of life, is basically an accumulation of your thought life. If you think prosperity, you're already prosperous while riding a taxi. Hallelujah. And when you meditate, what happens is you become one with the object of meditation. If you meditate on healing, you become one with healing and healing will just flow out of you. Amen. I said amen. And the word meditatio actually means to ponder. And, and one of the analogies for pondering is uh, when a cow chews, uh, goes out to graze in the fields. So when a cow goes out to graze in the fields, uh, he, he, he puts the food in the first and the second stomach. Okay? And then when he gets home at night, while he's asleep or whatever, he regurgitates or vomits it. And then choose it again. Someone say gross. <laughs> I already heard someone say, oh. That's what happens. See, when you come to church, all you're doing is grazing. See, if you stop at the graze level, anything that is in the first and the second stomach of the cow does not deliver any nutrients to the cow. So if you stop at grazing, unfortunately, most Christians, most believers stop at grazing. This is why they don't get the full benefit of God's word. They don't let the word of God change their patterns of thought and thinking. And the Bible tells us there is only one thing that can transform you, bring transformation to you. If you go to Romans 12, uh, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to the patterns of this world, or be not be. Don't let your mind be shaped by the world system. Don't be poured, don't be poured into the mold of the world system. In other words, don't let the world system condition the way you think. 
Man, I remember uh, when I first met my wife, she used to like to read the um, Sunday Times. Is that what it's called? Sunday Times, that big newspaper. Uh, she used to like to read it every Sunday. And man, that thing is full of discouragement. <laughs> that thing is full of stress. It is full of anxiety. And what would happen is we would buy it in the afternoon. And I, I told her, listen, I don't read newspapers because the Bible never said anything about it. I don't want you walking out of here thinking, pastor said, the Bible said, you don't read newspapers. No, you can read whatever you want. But realize it's shaping the way you think. You can watch whatever you want, but realize it's shaping the way you think. So she would go through the pages and every time she would get to the end of that uh, uh, Sunday time, she would feel depressed and stressed and hopeless. And she would wonder why. And that's what happens with most people. Have you ever noticed those uh, cosmetic uh, magazines? All they are trying to do is to make you feel less and less and less worthy. As you're going through that cosmopolitan, you feel like, oh, I don't have nice eyelashes. Oh, I don't have enough makeup. Oh, I don't. They're trying to show you what you don't have. And as you go, oh, I'm too thick. Oh, I'm too thin. Ooh, uh, they're just trying to make you feel less and less and less and less so that you can look for something on the outside to try and bring it to complete you. Amen? Amen. But when it comes to meditation, God has already given you everything that you need. Watch this. That pertains to life and godliness. And he said in Romans 12, don't be conformed to that, but be ye transformed. Be ye transformed. Be changed. And that's a strong word. Be transformed. Be that. Amen? And I like, I like the Bible. He didn't leave it to our imagination to figure out how transformation was going to come. You know why? Because pastors would have written books about it. If you want transformation, brother, you're going to have to fast for six weeks. <laughs> mm -hmm. Amen? No, he tells you how transformation is going to come. Be transformed by what? By changing the way you think. You have to change the secretary of your mind. Some of you, your minds are conditioned to poverty. And you have to get into the Word and fix that. Man, I remember growing up every now and again, we'd go to the countryside, and this is how they would always feed us. They would put uh, uh, one big plate of pap and one big plate of meat and say it's open season. <laughs> so you knew in life, if you want to win, you have to get all you can, can all you get. I mean, we came up with tactics to hide uh, the meat. Every time you'd go for dinner, you'd wear a long sleeve. And as you put your hand in there, man, you're picking up two pieces and the other one, you just shove it into you. Just shove it in. Just shove it in. Amen? That was before I was saved. Amen? <laughs> but what did that do? It trained us to think that the world is filled with lack. Yet God said, all of these things have I given unto you. He says, everything, the earth and everything in it belongs to me. And you know what? He turned around and gave it to his children. He said, now you be in charge. You subdue it. You have dominion over it. In other words, it's under you. But because our minds had been programmed to think that way, we lived in, a, in the realm of limitation. Someone shout, no limits. Did you know that God is not a 30-fold God? God is not a 60-fold God, neither is He a 100-fold God. God is a no-limits God. God is not a double-double God. We sing songs about double-double. No, God is not a double-double. You are just a double-double receiver. 
Amen. You are just a 30-fold receiver. The limitation is not on God's side, it is on our side. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ever ask, think or imagine, and here is the limiter, according to the power that is at work in you. Whatever you let God do to you, he will do it. Someone shout, I will, I will. let him let prosper me. Prosper. I will, I will. let him let find, a find a mate for me. Some of you are trying to look for a mate in the natural realm. It won't happen. Amen? Amen? Just let God bless you. How many of you know that God can take care of you more than you can take care of yourself? Man, just submit to God and say, Lord, fix this thing. In fact, shout it. God, fix this thing. Right now, in Jesus' name. The other analogy for this kind of metanoia or, or transformation through meditation is the is the is, is the caterpillar transforming into a butterfly now that's drastic change amen from an earth earthly bound creature just just uh, 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 creeping in the dirt to a heavenly bound beautiful colorful creature and you know what when you look in a butterfly you don't see traces of a caterpillar Man, God will transform your life so much that when people see you, they won't even see traces of your past life. Man, God will bless you so much. People will look at you and say, you are telling me you used to be poor? Have you ever watched these biographies about some of these rich folk and they tell you, man, I used to be a security guard and you're like, man, they are lying. That's the kind of transformation God will bring to you. That when you start living your new life, there won't be any traces that you are a divorcee. There won't be any traces that you were abused as a child growing up. There won't be any traces that you didn't pass metric. God can make you a president of a country, brother. With no metric. That should minister to somebody. Someone shall have no limits. <laughs> hey, man, don't limit God, man. Where did I tell you to go? Joshua, are you there? All right, let's read it. Let's read it. Joshua chapter number 1. And you know what? What happened when the caterpillar uh, turns into a butterfly? Sometimes he has to sit in a cocoon. It's called a cocoon. For up to six months. Just sitting and doing nothing. Just chilling. Sometimes you just have to sit under the word. You just let the word of God marinate you. <laughs> you know the way we marinate bruvos. Just let the word of God marinate you. Just let the word of God. And as the word of God comes on the inside of you, it will begin to make the change that is necessary in your life. Amen? Amen. Uh, uh, remember the story of Martha and Mary? Man, Martha, Martha, she, she, was, she was a tripper. She was tripping. Martha, Martha was crazy. She was a loud mouth. Remember the one time in John 11 when she met Jesus? She said, Jesus, Jesus, if you would have come early enough, my brother wouldn't have died, Jesus. <laughs> you know, remember what Jesus said? He said, he shall be raised again. She's like, no, Jesus, I know what you're talking about. He will be raised away over there in the last day in the resurrection. And Jesus was so gangster about it. <laughs> he says, no, Martha, he will not be raised over there. You must understand that I am. I am the resurrection so when i show up the things that are dead are raised from the dead 
That was the issue with the fig tree. The fig tree didn't realize that Jesus was resurrection. That Jesus was the fruit. See, when Jesus shows up, the season has begun. The Bible says it was not a season of figs. So you don't expect fruit when it's not a season of fruit, right? But when Jesus shows up, fruit season has begun. Ooh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So you're going to have to meditate and sit under the word. The one time Jesus visited Martha and Mary, and Mary was just sitting listening to Jesus. Who is the word? Amen? And Martha was cooking, running around and doing stuff and fixing things. And then she came to Jesus and said, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? Can't you see I'm doing all the work? I'm washing all the dishes. I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing all this stuff. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Martha. The part that Mary chose is the greater part. And because she has chose this part, it will not be taken away from her. Man, when you choose to sit under the word, nothing can be taken away from you. Because whatever they take away, the word will reproduce. Man, you can't steal my joy. Because if you try, I'll just go back to the word and get some more joy. Amen? Man, that's awesome. Just sit under the word. Sit under the Word. Plant yourself in the Word of God. Amen? In fact, there is a Chinese uh, a tree called the Chinese bamboo tree. Now, this is a fascinating tree. This tree, for four years, when you plant it, for four years you won't see anything above ground. For four years. Nothing above ground. And in the fifth year, it grows about 90 meters. That's about 30 uh, 90 feet. That's about 25 to 30 meters in six months. It's literally growing as you, as you look at it. And you know what? People walk past it and think nothing is going on. Yet it's developing roots in the ground for four years. And it is that root that helps it to shoot up. And that's what you and I should do. We should let the word of God develop root in our hearts. But before we do, do that, watch what it says. Joshua 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter number 1 verse 8. Watch what it says. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall do what? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. You shall meditate therein day and night. Sikuneskat. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. But Pastor T, I can't meditate in the word day and night. I cannot do that. You know why? Because I have a job. I crunch numbers. Oh, okay. All right. I have a question for you. When that boyfriend of yours dumped you that time, how many times in a day did you think about it while crunching numbers? Did it wake you up at night? So you have the ability to think on something all the time, even while you're working. Just use it in God's Word. And listen to me, child of God. I'm not teaching here Eastern uh, cultural transcendental meditation, yogi and stuff. That's not what I'm teaching. See, what transcendental meditation seeks to do is to get you to a place of euphoria or, or peace, they call it, by emptying your mind. But what Christian meditation seeks to do is to bring you to the same place 
Not by emptying your mind, but by filling up your mind with the right stuff. That's the difference. Fill up your mind with God's word and watch what will happen. Day and night according to that which is written therein. For then, someone say then. It is at that point you shall make thy way prosperous. I like that. Notice it didn't say God will make your way prosperous. Notice it didn't say the devil will make your way prosperous. It says you will make your way prosperous. That means God has just transferred my destiny into my own hands. I like that. That means I can't blame you. (laughs) That means I don't have to rely on you. I like that. Amen. I remember, man, when we used to go to the Anglican church and, you know, the youth and so on and so forth. And there was this one girl, man, the, the parents in the church were just giving us trouble over her because she'd wear really short skirts to church and man i was thinking you know this sunday i'm gonna get her i'm gonna preach everything that the bible has to say about clothes and man i'm gonna even come up with some statistics and i'm just gonna get her and you know what she didn't come to church (laughs) man she let me down (laughs) tell your neighbor people will let you down (laughs) I had one week of study, a full sermon, and she didn't come to church. People will let you down. Amen? This is why God transferred the destiny into your own hands. He said, then you, 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 tell your neighbor you. In fact, push the person in front of you and tell them you. Push them. Hey, I said push the person. Push them. Tell them when are you, you. Amen. <laughs> Look back and say, you might be right, but you know, this is Versace. Whatever it is. <laughs> Whatever it is. Don't put your trust in men. Tell your neighbor, don't put your trust in men. When we were growing up, they told us a story. Uh, uh, growing up, you know, we used to use uh, these buses and they told us a story. This one guy uh, is, you know, every time you'd have to fight to get into the bus because there would be so many people trying to go places and so on and so forth. So as he was going into the bus, small guy, he was going into the bus. Uh, someone stole his wallet. Small guy, small voice. And then he got up in the bus and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, who stole my who stole my wallet?" And then everybody was like, "No, no." And he said, "Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to beat up every single last one of you in this bus until someone gives me back my wallet." <laughs> so he went to the front of the bus and he started slapping. Pow! Where's my wallet? Oh, no, no. Next one. Pow! Where's my wallet? Oh, I don't know. And then as he was progressing, there was this big monia. And he was sitting on one seat, you know, that takes three, those ones. And he was sitting in the, by himself because he was so huge. And he's just sitting there. And the people behind him are thinking, ah, Baba, we are safe. <laughs> Look at this monia. We are safe. And as the young man, <laughs> the small guy got to that big guy, the big guy got up. And then he got into the pathway. Everybody, and he says, guys, Let's give this man his wallet before he finishes all of us. <laughs> so, don't put, your, don't put your trust in man, amen? Now, now, man, we have ten more minutes, alright? Alright? Uh, benefits? Let me give you the benefits for meditation. How's that? Number one, meditation produces 
personal conviction which produces stability. Someone say stability and growth. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Amen? The way you produce stability in your life so that you are no longer tossed to and fro by everything. You know, it's happening over there. Oh, I'm over there. It's happening over there. Oh, I'm over there. There's a new club in town. Oh, I'm over there. Oh, they're doing this. I'm over there. And this and that. No, the way you get stability in life is by meditating in God's Word. Because as you meditate in God's Word, you begin to develop root in His Word. And you develop what is called a personal conviction. See, until you reach a, a level of personal conviction, you can never produce in your life. Is it, is it a personal conviction to you that God can actually supply all your need according to your riches and glory? It has to be a personal conviction. And once it's a personal conviction, no one can talk you out of it. Before I had a personal conviction, man, I used to want to just argue with everybody. Until I reached a level of personal I don't even have to argue with you. You know, there are people that are still trying to convince me that God uh, puts sickness on people. Man, I don't even argue, argue with you. Even before I was a believer, I knew better than that. God does not put sickness on people to teach them a lesson. I didn't have scripture for it, but common sense taught me that, listen, if God was the one putting sickness on folk, you and I have no chance. Because he's God. Smiting you from this side and the devil smiting you from the other side. Man, you're not going to win. Amen. So all these preachers, uh, God puts sickness. You know, sometimes God, you know, uh, puts poverty to teach you a lesson. No, no, you won't find it in scripture. In fact, even in the book of Job, we know who the tormentor was. It wasn't God who killed Job's children. Amen. It was the devil. Hallelujah. So, Meditation helps you to grow roots in the word so that you can get to a place of being fully, someone say fully, fully persuaded about your relationship with God, about God's promises for your life. You have to be fully persuaded. See, the Bible is filled with two kinds of promises. There is what is called a promised promise. Someone say promised promise. The reason I do this is so that you can remember. Amen? Promise, promise. And an offered promise. Alright? A promised promise is something that God promises you and it will happen without your cooperation. For example, when Jesus ascended into the heavens, uh, the Bible records a voice from heaven saying, The same one you see ascending into heaven is the same one that will descend in the same manner and he will judge the living and the dead. Pastor T, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter. Amen. The Bible says there is a heaven and a hell. Well, I don't believe. It doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. Amen. It's a promised promise. It will happen whether you believe it or not. But we flip it. A promised and offered promise is when God says, I offer you redemption for sickness, uh, poverty, and death. Do you accept it? If you say, no, I don't want to be healed. Guess what? God is not going to force it on you. If you say, no, I don't want to be prospered, God is not going to force it on you. Amen? Amen. I said, amen. So we have to develop a personal conviction in the areas of offered promises, the things that God has offered us. The Bible says, he shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. It's an offer. If you keep your mind stayed on God, you will have perfect peace. 
Will you take it? That's the question. By his stripes, you were healed, pastors. Healing was paid for and offered to you. Will you take it? For some people will say, man, I don't want to get healed. I like my misery. I get all the attention. Never get to do the dishes. Amen. I don't want to get healed. So it's an offered promise. And it will only happen when you activate your faith and say, I receive it. Amen. Someone shout, I receive all the promises for my life. Number two, meditation, if you're taking down notes, produces success. Meditation produces success. We just read in Joshua chapter number one, verse eight, that when you meditate therein, you shall have what? Good success. Now the Bible, the reason the Bible had to say good success is to differentiate from bad success. Did you know that there is a thing called bad success? Did you know that? I have all this money in my uh, 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 account and I have different uh, uh, cars, car models for every single day. Monday to Friday, I, on Monday I drive a Bentley, on Tuesday I drive a Rolls Royce, on Wednesday I drive a... But you know what? I can't keep a good meal in my stomach because I'm so worried that I'm going to lose my money and my finances. While I'm driving my cars on Wednesday and on Thursday, my children are on drugs. While I'm doing that, my wife is making out with the gardener. Bad success. Tell your neighbor that's bad success. In fact, that's the problem with most middle class folk. You know, we pay for things that we should be doing. You pay for someone to do uh, uh, your child's homework. You pay for someone to take care of stuff that you should be doing. God has called you to be a parent, not to be a financial institution. Amen? (laughs) I just thought I would say that. So, what's interesting about Joshua and getting this instruction is that Joshua was taking over leadership from an amazing man. I mean, he was taking over leadership from Moses. You all know Moses. Moses was the miracle man. I mean, Moses, the one time he threw his stick, man, and it turned into a snake, ate up all the other snakes. The one time he prayed uh, to God in heaven, and God uh, opened up the heaven, and food started raining from heaven. My, my, my pizza. <laughs> Cotter chicken and chips. I just had to go there. <laughs> Amen. Just raining from heaven. The one time he struck the Red Sea, and thing flung open, and people were walking down on dry land, just taking selfies, man. <laughs> <laughs> just split the Red Sea with Moses. <laughs> Posting on Facebook. Hashtag dry land. <laughs> Amen. They're walking on dry land, man. And then Joshua came and he was asked to take over leadership from that guy. Man, that was a big task. And some of you right now, you are faced with big tasks in your workplace, in your life, in your social life, and so on and so forth. And God gave this formula to success. He said, meditate, 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 day and night, and then you will have the same level of success that my servant Moses had, you will have. And you know what? In the New Testament, the same thing was happening. Paul. I mean, Paul used to send handkerchiefs to people and they would get healed. Paul was amazing. The one time he was just minding his own business and singing, lip singing in, in the prison. Just lip singing with his friend uh, 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 Silas. And then there was an earthquake, Baba. Things just started shaking and boom, prison door opens. 
Man, he was amazing. And Timothy was taking over the church that Paul had been leading. 50,000 memberships, strong church in Jerusalem. Timothy, young man, he's taking over the church. And God gave him the same, same formula. It hasn't changed. Tell your neighbor it's the same formula. And the formula is meditate. First Timothy chapter 4.15. Watch what he said to him. Same formula. First Timothy 4.15. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. It says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy to them so that, you can put an S-O there, so that thy profiting may appear to all. See, when you meditate in God's word, you won't have to convince people that I am the head and not the tail. No, they will just see it. Amen. They'll just see it. We were talking about leadership yesterday with the man. And man, leadership is influence. Amen. And this one guy got to an accident scene and uh, uh, there were cops there, doctors, and so on and so forth. And he got there, and he knew he was the head and not the tail. Didn't have to convince anybody. He got there, and he just took off, uh, took off in his leadership role. Started telling everybody what to do. Hey, policeman, I want you to stop all these cars that are coming from this direction. Stand there. You must stand there. And then the policeman stood there and said, what else must I do? Says, no, for now, stand there. And you, doctor, I want you to go and uh, 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 look at this patient. Let me know how they are doing. When they looked at him, came back, oh, they are doing well, but we're just monitoring. Yeah, stay there. This man had no degree, but he had leadership. He knew who he was. I'm the head and not the tail. You won't have to convince people. It will appear to all. It will appear to all. See, people that are trying to convince you, I have power. You know, I have power. No, Jesus didn't do that. See, when I listen to some of these prayers, people praying for sick folk, you can tell they're not convinced in what they're praying. They're trying to convince themselves first. Father, in the olden times... Quit playing. <laughs> you healed the children of Israel in the olden times. You did it, Father. You did it. You did it for Lazarus. You did it for, for the crippled. You did it for the blind. Lord, we pray right now that you may come. They're trying to convince themselves. Someone who know they are, who knows who they are, you know what they do? They just say, Lazarus, come forth. And they walk away. Three-word prayer will raise the dead. Because they know who they are. They don't have to convince you. They don't have to convince anybody else. They just live in their lives. Man, you're going to get to a point where the blessing of God will be so apparent in your life, you won't have to talk about it. Someone shout, I receive it. You're going to get to a point in your life where the blessing of God is going to be so apparent in your life. People will see it. They will just see it. It will be embarrassing. Amen. While everybody else is complaining. Man, you're thinking, God is blessed me. Hallelujah. Finally, oh, this is awesome. Finally, let's go to Genesis 25, verse 27. If you're taking down notes, write this down. Meditation produces dynamic, long-term strategies. We must start living for the long term. Amen. Watch what it says in Genesis 25, verse 27 to 34. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. So Esau was action-oriented. Amen? But Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. So Jacob stayed at home and learned from Isaac, from his dad. 
Next verse. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sowed potage or potage? I don't know. What? What? Porridge. What's that? What's that? Pottage. Porridge. Okay. (laughs) And Esau came from the field. And he was faint. So Esau came in from the field from work and he was faint. He was tired. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with the, that same red yeah, <laughs> potage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Next verse. And Jacob said, sell me today your birthright. He says, oh, you're hungry. You want to eat my food? Okay, you are the firstborn, and I know there are rights that come with you being firstborn. I'm going to give you my food, but you must sell me first your birthright. You know where the mistake began? When Esau walked in, and he could smell the food. It's called immediate gratification. And I'm a marketer by profession, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get you to you know, commit before you're at the level of committing. It's called uh, impulse buying. You know, when we put chocolates at the, uh, the, the famous aisle, as you're checking out at uh, Pick and Pay, it's intentional so that you can pick up that lunch bar when you don't need to. Okay? Smelt it. He, he, he smelled it. You could smell the, the food. So, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You walk into someone's house. In fact, this is a nice story. We used to go and do uh, visits with my uh, previous pastor, uh, Reverend Shepherd. Would go and do uh, uh, visits unannounced. Just go and visit, you know, the members of the church when I was the youth, and I was his driver then. You know, drive him around and visit people. And sometimes you'd walk into this house, man, and, and uh, oh man, you could smell the food. <laughs> Glory to God! Is that super califragilistic, expialidociously delicious chicken? Man, you could smell it. As you walk into the house, man, you just smell it. And guess what? We'd walk in there and say nothing about the chicken. Just get in there and sit. And if they had planned not to share the chicken with us, it became a, a standing competition. Whoever can stand the longest will eat the chicken. Man, we'll just sit in there, pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And pray and pray, share the word, pray and pray and pray and pray and pray until they get tired of just not eating that chicken. And then they'll have to share the chicken with everybody. So, oh, by the way, there was some chicken we made. Would you be interested in eating this chicken? And when the chicken is offered to you, don't be quick. Yeah, 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 we'll eat the chicken. Yeah. No, just say, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll have some of that chicken. We left some of that chicken, amen. And this is what Esau could have done. There is no man, no woman that you can walk into their house and they won't share food with you. He could have just walked in there and start just watching the TV, just flip through the channels, National Geographic, and Super Sport 3, and watch some match from 1967 and enjoy it while you are waiting for them to finish fixing dinner. Because guess what? Once they finish fixing dinner, they're also going to give you. But you know what the problem was? The problem was he was consumed in immediate gratification. I want it, and I want it now. Why can't you wait, child of God? No, I want to live a married life right now. 
I want to wash their clothes and, you know, buy houses and buy cars and get into all kinds of commitment with them right now. I just want to do it now. And guess what? You get yourself into all kinds of trouble because you want to live a life of immediate gratification. There is something else that is available for you called delayed gratification. And it will bring long-term happiness. In fact, I want to challenge you. Before you make any unnecessary commitment to buying something, just delay that purchase by 48 hours. And in fact, after 48 hours, you realize that you didn't need that shirt. You realize, ladies, that you don't need those shoes. Oh, I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. Amen. <laughs> 